0: In the news this week was the report of the death of a guy called Ray Tomlinson. I don't know if you heard about Ray. He was, he's a man who has been credited with the invention of the email. In 1971, all those years ago, while working as a computer engineer in Boston, Tomlinson came up with the idea of sending electronic messages from one computer to another across what was called the ARPANET, which was the internet's predecessor. Ray even uh, pioneered the use of the little at symbol, which has become a feature used in all of our email addresses. This was at a time when computers filled entire rooms and were incredibly expensive. And so communication between them wasn't really seen as a priority. In fact, Ray's email system wasn't supposed to be what he was working on. In fact, he said that he did it just because it seemed like a neat idea. But nowadays, most of us can't imagine life without email. According to a study by the Radikati group, there are over 4 billion email accounts in the world today. 4 billion. And each day, if you can believe this, this statistic, each day over 200 billion emails are sent and received. Now you also know that not all of these emails are useful, don't you? If you've got an email account, it's estimated that anywhere between 20 and 90% of all emails are spam or junk emails. So you need to be careful about responding to emails or even opening up uh, their attachments. But as followers of Jesus, we have a much greater communication system than that invented by Ray Tomlinson. We have this heart to heart messaging system that connects us with our creator wherever we are, whatever we're doing however we feel through prayer we can directly freely and constantly speak to our God but the problem is that sometimes warped motives or wrong ideas keep us from taking full advantage of this wonderful gift And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us how we should be different in our praying. I'm going to read these wonderful verses this morning in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5 right down to verse 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation But deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. As we saw last week with giving, Jesus here assumes that praying will be an integral part of his followers' lives. He begins with these, this section with these words, when you pray. Not if you pray, but when. Because you're assuming that we will pray. Prayer is so essential in our lives that we shouldn't be able to imagine life without it. As someone has said, a Christian who does not pray is like someone who does not breathe. They won't live very long. So we need to pray. But of course, lots of people pray. Especially at difficult times or when they're worried about circumstances. Prayer is a common aspect of so many different religions across this world. And so in the world there are lots and lots of different ideas of why and how and what we should pray. But Jesus doesn't want us to follow them. Instead, Jesus wants us to be different in our praying. Because we have a different understanding of and relationship with our God. We pray to our Father in Heaven. This is the language of intimate relationship. In prayer, we don't come to a stranger or some distant deity. We don't have to tremble in fear before an angry and terrifying ruler. Yes, he is still the great and awesome God. Yes, he is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he deserves all the respect, all the honour, all the praise, all the glory that we can give. But if we have trusted in Jesus, if we have admitted our sinfulness and repented of our rebellion and put our trust in Jesus and accepted Him as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, then God has become our loving, heavenly, perfect, powerful and present Father. This is what John chapter 1 verse 12 says. Yet to all who received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And it's out of this new relationship with God that we call him our Abba, our Dad in heaven. And it's out of this new relationship that we should pray differently. So Jesus said, do not be like the hypocrites. Remember we saw this last week. The hypocrites were those who put on a mask. Who step into character and pretend to be something that they're not. When they prayed, they loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. In a sense, there's nothing wrong with that. Go around the market square and pray, if you want. There's nothing wrong with standing to pray. In the Bible, people prayed standing, sitting, kneeling, lying face down, looking up to heaven, arms up, hands raised. doesn't matter, in a sense. Now, is there anything wrong with praying in synagogues or street corners? Paul wrote, pray Continually. So we can pray anywhere we are. In our everyday lives. As well as when we meet together as believers. But the problem was with the hypocrites was their motivation. They were praying to be seen by men. They prayed standing in those places to show off. They were pretending to communicate with God. But in reality, they were just acting in front of other people. And so, when, and so Jesus said, when we, should, when we pray, we should go into your room and close the door. Now this isn't because we need to find a special room, or even cupboard, as some people have, have understood this, to pray in. As if God will only hear us in our little prayer closet. Many of us find it easier to walk when we pray. Or to go and sit out in the garden. Or to enjoy the countryside. Or even to drive along the road as long as you don't close your eyes. Not a good idea. Neither is it wrong to pray in public. Every Sunday morning we pray together, don't we? And the early church was always praying together. And Jesus' prayer here is really a family prayer. Our Father. It's a prayer that we pray together. But Jesus is teaching us something really important here. If true prayer is really first and foremost about us communicating with our Heavenly Father, then we need to make sure... That we take time when we can be alone with God. When we can close the door to the distractions of the world around or even of other people. And we can really pray to the Father who is unseen. Because it's in the privacy of these times when we don't have an audience that we can really drop our defences that we can really be open and honest with our God and we can really express what's on our heart without the temptation to try to be something that we're not praying with each other together praying in public is really important but it's hard if that's the only time we're praying We need those times when we can just be ourselves in the presence of our Father. So this command of Jesus here isn't given to restrict when and where we can pray. Rather it's so that we don't miss out on the real joy of connecting with our Father. Because for those who turn praying into performance, Jesus said they have received the reward in full. All they get is empty applause and the false admiration of others. But for those who really seek after God, Jesus said, Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is a wonderful reward. In praying to our Father in a real way. Not that we earn brownie points with God. That's not what He's talking about. Rather, it's that real prayer blesses us in so many ways. If we make the effort to be alone with God, if we set aside time in order to be not, so, so we're not distracted from God, if we humble ourselves and are real with God, then in the end we'll never lose out. Instead, God will reward us with His gifts of wisdom and direction, of help and healing, of power and protection, His support and His provision, His peace and His joy most of all with the knowledge of His presence in our lives the ultimate reward of prayer is not in getting things from God it is in spending time with God it's in connecting with His heart it's in resting in His arms it's in experiencing His love. And just in knowing Him. So in the book of Hebrews it says, since we have confidence put into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is His body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. So knowing God is our Father should give us the desire to just spend some time alone with Him. But it should also impact the words that we use. Jesus says here in verse 7 Do not keep on babbling like pagans. The Gentiles those outside of the community of God's people. They tended to think that their gods could be moved into action if they prayed long enough. And so in their prayers, they meaninglessly repeated empty phrases. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. some of the Jews fell into this trap again. There was a rabbi, Rabbi Levi, who said this, Whoever is long in prayer is heard. You have to pray for a long time before God hears you. I think many people think similarly today. They repeat prayers over and over again. In the expectation that in some way this repetition will earn the right for God to hear their prayers or accept their petitions. But Jesus said here, do not be like them. That isn't to say that it's wrong to keep on praying about the same issue. Jesus said that we should, we should be persistent in our prayers. We should always pray and not give up. So he is looking for that persistency in our prayers. Neither does this mean that it would be necessarily wrong to pray the same prayer more than once. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And neither does it mean that praying for a long time is wrong. Jesus often spent whole nights in prayer. But it does not mean that real prayer isn't about mindlessly repeating memorised words or phrases. Effective prayer cannot be measured by a word count or with a stopwatch. Instead, prayer is supposed to be a real and meaningful communication that comes from our personal and living relationship with God as our Father. It's a person-to-person communication. So it needs to come from our hearts. It needs to engage our minds. It needs to reflect our thoughts, our personality, our character. So Psalm 62, verse 8, encourages us, Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts him for God is our refuge and we can do this with such confidence because your father knows what you need before you ask him your father knows what you need before you ask him if we have faith in Jesus then we don't need those vain and meaningless repetitions because we are sure that our heavenly father knows all about us And He cares deeply for us. So we don't need to inform God of our needs. And neither do we need to pressurize Him to act. We don't need to kind of wear God down through our prayers. Instead, we need to just simply come before our Father and present our requests, unburden our hearts. Leave them in God's hands. Knowing that he will answer us in ways that are for our best. Because he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And to show us what that looks like. Jesus then gave us what is probably the most famous prayer of all. And many people use this, of course, as a prayer to say, to repeat. Especially in, in tough times or difficult times in their life. But that doesn't mean, seem to be what Jesus gave this prayer to us for. He said, this then is how you should pray. This is a, a pattern for our prayers. A structure that will guide us in our prayer times. That will help us to focus on different aspects of our prayers. As we grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's not a prayer to repeat again and again and again and again and again and again. It's a prayer, if we are going to pray it, to pray slowly and think through it and work it through in our prayer times. Because even though it's such a simple prayer, it comes with such depth. With such profound meaning. And we're just going to have a little quick look at at this. We're not trying to, to kind of look at it in depth this morning, but just quickly look at this prayer and try to understand some of the aspects of what Jesus is encouraging us to pray for in our prayer life through our own relationship with Him. Jesus is encouraging us to begin with the most important thing first. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. God's name, His character, is perfectly holy. He is separate and exalted over every other. But when we pray for His name to be hallowed, or pray for His name to be treated as holy, we express our longing for Him to have all the honour, all the praise, and all the glory that He alone deserves. So real prayer begins with what Paul was sharing with us this morning. Worshipping God, magnifying our Father, giving Him first place in our lives. This follows on to being concerned about God's priorities, God's concerns, first of all. We pray, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom. Of course, the whole world in a sense, is God's kingdom. The whole world belongs to God. He is the rightful ruler of the whole universe. But not everybody accepts us. Many people rebel against God's rule and reign in their lives. So God's kingdom is everywhere where God is accepted as king. Where everybody bows before Him and accepts Him as their Lord and their God. So praying your kingdom come is that we would increasingly accept Him as the Lord of our lives. God, come and reign in my life, in my heart, in my thinking, in everything that I will do. It's also a prayer that we can apply to others and pray that other people would bow before Him and accept Him as the Lord of their lives. But also looks forward with eagerness to the coming, the establishing, the ultimate establishment of God's kingdom on earth. As we pray, come Lord Jesus. Come and establish your kingdom on earth. Come and let's see this place bow before you under your reign. But until that day, Jesus also encourages us to pray for your will to be done on earth. As it is in heaven. God's will is fully obeyed in heaven. Without question, without hesitation. And our prayer should be that that's an increasing reality on earth. This should be a heart's desire. Because we love God. But also because we believe that His will is good and pleasing and perfect. So prayer is not really about us trying to get what we want to happen. Rather it's about us partnering with God to ensure that what He wants happens. It's not my will be done. It's your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But of course that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with asking for what we need. I had a friend in Scotland who, who, who told me, and was quite uh, pleased with that, this reality, that he says, I never pray for anything for myself. And, and In a sense it sounded so, so holy and so pious, but it goes apparently against what Jesus asked us to do here. Jesus said that we should pray, give us today our daily bread. This is a prayer for our everyday requirements. Everything that we need to live. Our food. Our health. Our finances. Our house. Our safety. It's about depending on our Heavenly Father for everything that we need. When you think about it, this is amazing. As God's children, we can pray for the huge issues of God's name to be honoured, God's kingdom to come, God's will be done. But we can also pray for the ordinary, mundane things of our lives. The tiny details of our lives. That's because God cares about them too. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God is interested in the tiny details of your life so that when we come with our requests to him for what we need that day, he'll never say, oh, go away, don't bother me with that just now. I've got more important things to do. He's not that kind of dad. He's the kind of dad who is always interested in whatever is bothering us, in whatever we need. But of course, we have more than just physical needs. Jesus also prayed; he taught us to pray, "Forgive us our debts." This needs to be a constant request because all of us still stumble into sin. Remember that that, that we were thinking about that a while back. How that does, that helps us to know that when Jesus says, "Be perfect," he's not expecting us to be sinless, because he's teaching us to pray constantly. For forgiveness. We still stumble into sin. We still need that forgiveness. So that we can enjoy that fellowship with our Father. Not that when we sin he kicks us out of his family. He doesn't do that. But that sin gets in the way of our enjoyment. Our friendship with God. And we need to get that dealt with. So we can enjoy that intimacy with him. But we can also pray this prayer with confidence. Because we know that God's grace is sufficient for us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There is full and free and instant forgiveness. It's just a prayer away. No matter what we've done or not done in our lives. Now we don't earn this forgiveness of course a gift of God's grace but we do need to be willing to forgive those who have hurt us who have sinned against us. We pray forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus emphasized this in the, in, in the last verses that we read verse 14 and verse 15. If we want to receive forgiveness from God we need to be willing to offer forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. Why is that? It's not that we earn that forgiveness. Of course it's not. But it's that forgiveness from God requires true repentance. And to refuse to forgive other people their sin against us shows that we have not truly accepted the depth of our sin against God. Or the cost of our forgiveness. 1 John 1 and 7 says this, The blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of Jesus is the cost of our forgiveness. How could we stand at the foot of the cross and refuse to forgive other people when we have been forgiven at such great cost? But God doesn't just want to forgive our failures. He also wants us to help. Help us to overcome them. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. This is a prayer that expresses our weakness. It expresses the fact that no matter how long we've been walking with Christ. No matter how long we've been living for Him, we are still weak and we're still vulnerable to temptation. None of us get to the place where we can say, Thanks God, I can do it on my own from now on. We're still vulnerable to the attacks of Satan, as Paul reminded us this morning. So we need to ask God for our direction, for His protection. That he will not let us walk into situations that we can't handle with him. But we can ask this in confidence. Knowing that as God's children, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Yes, we need to recognize that we're under attack. But he doesn't want us to live in fear and trembling. Because we can rest in Him and trust in Him and have that security and safety and peace of knowing that we're in Him today. So this is why our praying should be different from the world around us. We mustn't follow the hypocrites in turning prayer into a performance. Or like the pagans in turning it into meaningless babble. Instead, we should pray as children of God. Partner with God in praying for His honour, His kingdom, and His will in this world. And depending on God for our everyday needs, for our forgiveness, for our direction and protection. But most of all, we should pray to enjoy that intimacy with our loving Heavenly Father. I pray that nothing will keep us from this wonderful gift of